0: If if there's any such thing as an opportunity in the kingdom, it's an opportunity to be a servant, not to take pictures and you know fill your Instagram role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Hub Podcast, a resource for house church leaders to foster and guide healthy house churches toward deep devotion, contagious community, and missional imagination. This is an extension of Common Ground Northeast Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, y'all, welcome to The Hub Podcast. My name is Sam Linetti. I'm the formation pastor at Common Ground Northeast, and today we have a special guest, special tree for all y'all tuning in, and I'm excited to introduce him. He is... Pastor Timothy Quainu. Uh, Pastor Quainu is a really good friend of mine. Um, We met at Anderson School of Theology. He has a master's from that school. He is the current pastor at Covenant Faith Church of God Chicago. He's got a PhD in preaching the word straight to your soul. this dude is gifted. I hope you get to hear him preach. Um, that invitation to come talk to us is always open, Mr. Pastor Timothy Quainu. Um, he would describe himself when I asked him as a husband, a father, and a friend. Everybody welcome. My good friend, Pastor Tim Quainu.
0: What's up, bro?
1: <laughs> i'm glad we actually got to do this we've been talking about it a while
0: we've been talking about it for a while yeah yeah yeah
1: so uh tell us a little bit more about yourself what would you say uh we need to know about you coming in
0: oh man need to know you need to know that i'm sam's friend uh, you need to know that, that. Uh, so that when he That's hits whatever, big when this, when this whatever goes that viral, means to
1: you whatever that means to you
0: <laughs> when this goes viral just remember when you come into your kingdom sam just remember me. <laughs> Stop. Uh, we, I'm just honored uh, to,
1: to ride your coattails a little bit.
0: Get out of here. PhD in preaching to your soul. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> uh, I love barbecue food. Uh, I love all things basketball. Um, I'm, I'm holding out hope right now, man. The Chicago Bulls looked really good last night against Cleveland Cavaliers. It's the preseason, so no one's overly excited. But... Um, I'm holding out hope. I'm not I'm not entirely excited about DeMar DeRozan because uh, I'm also a San Antonio Spurs fan and things didn't work out too hot in San Antonio. But hopefully Chicago is going to be better. Maybe there's a grace here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what God says.
1: <laughs> man, y'all should have saw this dude when we were playing pickup basketball in seminary. <laughs> the defensive tenacity of this man.
0: That's there's- all I could do. <laughs> the, but if the, you can't shoot, play D.
1: <laughs> the face of passion and determination I have never seen anywhere else on you, other than whenever you're uh, behind a pulpit. Any other yeah. anywhere else?
0: Yeah, yeah. That or trying to pass Old Testament with Lozano. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're gonna have to have you on for another show just to talk about that.
0: Oh man.
1: Oh man, uh, tell us uh, about your family. You married kids?
0: Yep. Uh, Jill is my wife, Jillian Quaynu. We just celebrated seven years of marriage, uh, September twentieth. So, Congrats. thanks, man. This one was special. They're all special, but this one was particularly special. Seven years just felt like it's nothing we had ever talked about before, but we just we both felt like this was. of those milestones that we just really cherish for whatever reason this number uh just meant something to the two of us individually and so that much more collectively um we it this this wasn't you know the big trip to paris or the the obnoxious upgrade of a diamond ring this uh anniversary we slept for for most of it (laughs) hey
1: Sometimes (laughs) but sometimes <laughs> that, that is the gift that we'll continue to give. Right right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was the gift. Um, and it's because of our two amazing, wonderful little munchkins. Naomi is four, Noah is one and some change. And um, they're they're amazing. Naomi's doing preschool right now um, online, which is a whole new mm. Terrain, but she's rocking it. And- um,
1: At four years old.
0: At four years old, man, it's it's wild. It's wild, it's a whole new world. Noah was born literally when uh, he was born in Rhode Island. We live in Chicago now, but when we were in Rhode Island and he was born, the day he was born was the same day the state went into lockdown. Mm. Uh, So it's just wild navigating this, this life season with them as things are going on is, it's a whole new world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I will say it's, I've been really thankful and it's been fun. I would say to walk through this stage of life as being a dad and being a husband with you, because you got seven, we got five. So you're a little bit ahead of us, but we both got a four-year-old. We got a two-year-old, your little dude is right now. So it's like, man, sometimes we call each other and it's like, Oh, you just walked through that? Oh, yeah, that was like three weeks ago, right? And vice versa. So, so it's it's been it's been fun to uh, share this uh, this season, this journey with you, man.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now you come from a lineage of pastors, correct? Yeah. Can you yeah. share a little bit about your their extended family?
0: Yeah. So on uh, my father's side, my dad was the first one in his family to accept Jesus, as Savior. Since then, several of his nine siblings have also come to faith. Uh, His mother, before her passing, came to faith in Jesus. Uh, She got baptized at our home church back in Rhode Island, uh, which was a huge deal. Um, And so really awesome to see a family's trajectory shift uh, towards Christ and towards his kingdom. on my mother's side, however, the the Christian roots run deep. So my uh, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, was uh, remarried, and uh, her husband was a preacher. Uh, her Her first husband was a preacher, um, and and then she married another another preacher um, in Springfield, Illinois. Um, And then of course my mother was a a traveling preacher. I did not find this out until I was like 25, you know, I knew she was a preacher. I didn't know she traveled all around the Midwest, been out to California, um, grew up in a Pentecostal denomination known as the church of God in Christ. And, um, she is a preaching somebody.
1: Dude, Uh, your mom, your mom don't play.
0: She does not. I've heard her get up there. (laughs) She takes no prisoners, man. and just, yeah, just a rich history of preachers, got cousins and uncles and aunts and folks, uh, which is, I, I really, if I can hop on my soapbox for a second, I really am grateful for and thankful for uh, a family upbringing where I was exposed to male and female preachers. Amen, um, yeah. Yeah, I recognize that that's not everybody's background, but in our context and in my own family tree, that was really important to my formation and to my understanding of the gospel. And uh, when the prophet, I believe it's Joel, says records the Lord is saying, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Um, that, that had a practical meaning in in our household growing up. So, yeah, a bunch of preachers. My brother's a preacher. My younger brother uh, is a preacher down in Kissimmee, Florida. And uh, my youngest brother, John, there's three of us he's he's the smart one he's going into finance <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the gift of intelligence rests with him <laughs> hey
1: Jesus talks a lot about that finance stuff so maybe he's taking go. on a bigger role than y'all you know what I'm
0: saying that's right that's right that's right
1: oh that's awesome that's awesome now you're uh Does your father still pastor?
0: Uh, Kind of. So uh, (laughs) my dad uh, is doing a lot of missions work overseas in Ghana, West Africa. Uh, Primarily he's working on a Bible translation project right now. Um, So trying to get the word of God. uh, Written in a language that doesn't have a written language. Um, So He's working with linguists and uh, folks whose job it is to study language um, and and trying to trying to accomplish that task so yeah, yeah there's some pastoring that goes into that some local churches on the ground that he helps with leadership and all that kind of stuff but yeah his main goal is Bible translation right now
1: now to I think it's still important to understand a little bit about where you're coming from too you yeah. talked about um, Ghana. That's, that's where he's from. That's a culture that you've grown from, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I tell people I'm really real deal African-American. Hmm. Uh, my dad's from Africa. My mom's uh, a black woman from uh, east side of Springfield, Illinois. And so, um, you know, one day I'll write the book about a man from the bush and a woman from the ghetto and how they met in little tiny Rhode Island on the coast somewhere. And uh, we'll, we'll see what God does with that one. But yeah, uh, Ghana is, is one half of my cultural identity. And so being West African, having that direct link, been to the continent a few times, been to the nation of Ghana a few times, got to take my wife there uh, mm. one year into our marriage, hope to take my children someday. So,
1: And your friend, Sam.
0: And Sam has to go. You have to go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, how does that, gosh, this, we probably don't have time for this. I don't need to ask this, but I was just going to maybe, maybe give us maybe a point or two. So Mm -hmm. don't dive into it too much, but how does that influence your theology? How does that influence
0: church? The two things that come to mind right away. Number one, uh, faith ought to be bigger than you. Mm. The Gunyan culture is, uh, we've talked about this, um, is a collectivist culture. It's a communal culture. Um, So what you do isn't just about you. It's always connected to the family. It's always connected to the village and the tribe, the people that you represent. So, uh, I live with an awareness that faith ought to be bigger than yourself. And then I also live with an awareness of history. I've gone to the Elmina slave castles. Uh, I've stood in the space where my ancestors stood. Um, And so while in the United States, we argue about whether or not statues should be remain standing and revered and honored or or, or whatever your stance is it's not the point the point is we at best we have statues in ghana you can go to the actual location Mm. uh where where these things were and it's like not removed from day-to-day life so history and uh and legacy i guess are the two things that inform my faith
1: yeah thanks for sharing that yep now you're your mother, yeah, she works for a university, correct?
0: University of Rhode Island. Uh, she had been the department chair for about 10 years. Um, she now is uh, just picking and choosing which courses she wants. They won't let her retire yet. So she, <laughs> keeps, she keeps on trying to, to get away because she just wants to be a grandmother these days. But uh, yeah, she teaches African-American studies or Africana studies and uh, communication studies.
1: It's a good move on the University of Rhode Island's part to try to keep that woman around. (laughs) You know, before we dive into our content, uh, first of all, Tim, thank you for indulging and just sharing about your life. Um, We appreciate that. But I remember uh, at your wedding, um, seeing all your brothers and seeing all of them in the way they were. And I asked your mom, I said, how do you raise a family to love the Lord like they do? And without hesitation, she looked at me with all seriousness, seriousness, and she said, You pray that you don't get in the way. Wow. And I never forgot that. That's awesome. And this it was really profound. And so anytime I get a chance to uh hear your mother speak or talk with her, man, she's a blessing. So I appreciate your family.
0: Oh, uh, thanks, man.
1: Cool. So um, thanks for jumping in and um, coming on and discussing some things with us here at the Hub Podcast. So uh, we've been walking through a a series called We Are Common Ground at our church, Common Ground, which are the values. Um, We started with we are common ground, what that means. Um, We talked about what it means to be courageous, that we are a courageous congregation. And we also talked about that we empower And so those are kind of the three that's been instilled. Uh, The last two that we're walking through are more so observations, not necessarily things uh, that we're putting down on documents, but more things that we've noticed about our congregation. And this past Sunday, uh, we uh, talked about that we were, Eric shared, that we are a, a congregation that seeks the kingdom. And so my question posed to you, Tim, what I'd like to discuss with you is, if you heard a congregation describe themselves as a congregation that seeks the kingdom, when you hear that, what the heck does that mean? And, and what do you think that's, that looks like? Like if somebody says that, what are you expecting?
0: First thing I'll say is a huge shout out to uh, your pastor, Eric. Um, he and I haven't spent a ton of time together. I think we've met once or twice, but um, What I respect in him is what I see in you um, and what I know about you and uh, what I've also come to know about Common Ground and that it's, you all are a church that isn't afraid to push the envelope, to have the conversation, uh, to go beyond the status quo, to really authentically follow Jesus. And uh, I honor that in your elders, uh, your entire church leadership, team and uh just huge shout out to y'all huge shout out to you sam you've you've been somebody who's uh secured my salvation on one, more than one occasion <laughs> um, glory to god <laughs> yeah yeah great great father great husband um love the way that you love Devin and your family and the way you're raising your kids um just huge inspiration so uh, Eric Sam deserves a raise. No, I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> he didn't pay me to say that. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Uh, don't edit that out though. That should be in there. Okay, seeking the kingdom. Let's let's be serious. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, King uh, a church that says we're seeking the kingdom. Number one, it, it's a group of people that are saying. Uh, back to what I said earlier. Right, my salvation is about more than just me. So, if we are seeking the kingdom, then, um, you know, both of us are sports guys. Right, if if we say we are trying to win a championship, if we have a goal uh, to be whatever your sport is better at a certain skill, we want to be a better defensive team, a better offensive team, then it means that everyone is showing up every single day with that goal in mind. Um, and so if the church is saying, uh, we are seeking kingdom, then it, it it should be everywhere. It should be everybody. It should be evident in the way we do kids ministry in the way that we do teens, seniors, men, women, family, everybody sick and shut in folks on the street outreach. Uh, everything has to have that kingdom, uh, Thumbprint, that kingdom yeah. fingerprint. I think uh seeking kingdom, it, you know, the famous passage, uh, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. Um, but I, I think my favorite definition of kingdom comes out of the book of Matthew, uh, chapter four, when Jesus is beginning this ministry and he preaches, uh, he begins preaching the message: repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To me, kingdom is changing the way you think, repentance, right? Not just turning away from something, but changing the way you think about something. And then um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It ought to be near you, right? Kingdom is about proximity um, because when God so loved the world, he gave his only son to actually come to earth. So kingdom draws close it doesn't stand at a distance and like throw money or use just just use words um there's a corresponding closeness that comes with it
1: yeah 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 um you brought up when we say we the kingdom you're kind of your first point yeah you said everybody should be involved with that and use the idea of a a team perspective right like as a team Uh, Being sports guys, we understand this and hopefully our listeners can understand this too. But if you show up for something that's beyond yourself, there's kind of two things that happen there. Uh, And forgive me because I think some of our sports culture currently is moving away from this, which as a former coach, I hate this very much. But if you are coming together as a team to achieve a goal for the betterment of the team as a whole there's an expectation that you will not only work in your giftings but also sacrifice maybe some uh, um, like um, maybe some burns that you have maybe some perspectives or biases that you have uh, or even some things that you might be really good at but they're not serving the body as a whole yeah and so there is a simultaneously a a taking up of a mantle that is your responsibility and yet also laying down of things that don't necessarily benefit the body. Correct?
0: A hundred percent, man. I'm right on with you. I'll tell a quick story. Um, When I was in middle school, I was in band. I I was, uh, I played the saxophone and uh, I was maybe second chair, right? So pretty good. Not, not the best, but pretty good. I could not read music very well, um, but I, I could play by ear. Well, we're, we're getting ready for a production and uh, for a concert. And, I you know, we're playing this song and I've learned this song really quickly. I mean, I picked right up on it and uh, we're, in, we're in rehearsal and I'm, I'm playing. And my band teacher comes over to the sax section. He's like, someone is not playing the right part well, Sam, I just knew it wasn't me because I had learned this song so well. I knew it inside out. I even knew the part, like the way other instruments were supposed to play. Like I knew the clarinet part, the flute part on, on the sax. I was so impressed with myself. I didn't even stop to realize that I was playing not just the saxophone part, but I was also playing the clarinet part, playing the flute part. So when he came over and said, someone's not playing the right part, it was because he was hearing a saxophone when he should have only been hearing clarinet. Mm-hmm. He was hearing the saxophone when he only should have been hearing the flute. I was so embarrassed that day when he called me out and it was like, you, you're overplaying. I thought, man, I was doing something so cool, so great. I look, I learned all these parts and I can't even read the music, but that was the problem. I didn't know when to stop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. That's good, yeah.
1: That's yeah, good. At first, I thought you were going down a road. It's like, man, I've heard of this movie before. It's called Drumline, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So the the
1: th- the second thing you were talking about, um, in talking about the kingdom and it being close to you, um. This past Sunday, we, we brought up the, the scripture verse about the sheep and the goats and how the, the the sheep who were doing kingdom work didn't even know that it was kingdom work at times. They're just like, well, Lord, when did we see you? Yeah. And they, they brought up the point that like now is actually in the face um, of the marginalized, those down and out, that yeah. you find me and you're meeting me there. You didn't know it, but you literally had the heart of the kingdom in you where the, where the goats weren't doing these things and almost were saying as if, well, if we knew that we would have, and it was, oh, see, it's not in you. You're doing it for a gain. It's just not who you are. It's a fabric of who you are. And so I hear you saying that a little bit of um, if we say we're about the kingdom, then that means that the kingdom is not just something we do or achieve, but it's baked into us. Yeah. And so I kind of want to throw it out to you now, um, taking it one more step further with this kingdom thing. Um, If people are about the kingdom, what would you expect from these people? What what would be the marks that you would say, maybe they didn't say this at all, you just recognized a congregation that's about the kingdom, or recognized a, a congregation doing stuff, and you would say they are about the kingdom. Uh, they are seeking the kingdom. What, what are the marks? What are the attributes that you would say?
0: Uh, kingdom people irritate people who only care about religion. Hmm. Now, I think religion's important. Religion is ritual. It's, you know, so we all have rituals. So don't hear me saying that religion is bad uh, or religion is, you know, something to be avoided. It just can't be the only thing, right? Um, for a lot of people who only care about religion, Kingdom folks are dangerous because Kingdom folks like Jesus, right? Who inaugurates the kingdom on earth? Um, Jesus, every time he steps outside the box, he just doesn't—he doesn't follow the ritual to the T. Uh, he, he goes outside, colors outside the lines, he does something beyond the status quo. And I think kingdom folks do that. I think uh, they create space for uncomfortable conversations. Uh, they stop for people who require extra patience or situations that require extra patience when others would rather write off that moment. I think kingdom folks are are people who are willing to, like Jesus, touch the leper, right? The person who suffers from leprosy and everybody else is saying, man, you know, stay away from that person. And the kingdom mindset understands that if nothing else, I know at least I would want someone who would be willing to reach out and touch me. Hmm. Um, So if nothing else, I can at least empathize with you're a person who's in need of touch because I'm a person who's in need of touch. And while you may be different than me, we both have red blood. And and that's enough for me to know that you're, you're deserving of a humanizing, a human experience and a humanizing, Mm -hmm. humanizing touch.
1: You're kind of describing that uh, mentality of your faith is it's bigger than you. It's about the community, not just you. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think that type of uh, lens or mentality gives you or maybe lends itself more to see situations as that rather than not what I need, but seeing in the lens of what this person might need, because I could feel that, too. And you, empathy, <laughs> feeling what other people's right. fe- people feel, right. almost taking that and seeing it through a, a faith lens.
0: Sam, it's like when because like you said, we both got married around the same time Uh, as young husbands. We're still relatively young in the marriage game, but as especially in the earlier days, we had a lot of conversations about the the mindset shift of like, when you're single and daydreaming about, man, I can't, I just can't wait to be with this girl. I can't believe this girl's actually like willing to be with me uh, kind of thing. And then you actually have that mindset shift of like, okay, this isn't just about, I got the girl. This is now about, I'm here to serve the girl. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and that, that difference of, yo, it's not just about impressing her on a date. Uh, Now I'm about dating her and winning her Mm. over and over. And that, that doesn't come with being impressive. That comes with being a servant. And I think kingdom adopts that same mentality. You don't you don't look at people as outreach opportunities. <laughs> you look at people yeah. as people that you can serve hey this is this is a chance this is a moment where I can serve this if if there's any such thing as an opportunity in the kingdom, it's an opportunity to be a servant, not to take pictures and you know fill your instagram role
1: yeah, yeah, it's like a dating relationship uh you can throw out all your highlight reels, your best self, yeah. you know, you can yeah. put on your best self and, and put on a show and whenever yeah. you're not feeling it, you can bail. Right. And sometimes what I hear you saying is from a, from a kingdom mindset and especially serving others and doing life with others in ministry, mission opportunities, types of things. Um, man, we can do that a little bit as a church, right? Put our best yeah. foot forward whenever we want to. And if we don't want to, we don't have to. But really what you're calling us to, what you're challenging us with right now is um, that type of covenant relationship where, no, 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 To do life with somebody, to, to truly be kingdom people, it means not just when you're feeling good, it means, you know, coming home when you're frustrated and still having to learn how to, you know, clean up after yourself and, and, and serve the people that you're with, and do the dishes when you're not your best self. How do you still think of outside of yourself, uh, and and even communicate, you know, the needs that you might have? But like right. to do relationship with somebody, it's not this. Whenever you want, highlight reel, you can right. pick and choose. Um, to really do life in relationship with somebody, uh, the church, and if the church truly is the church, this also means. <laughs> Not just people that think like you and you're comfortable with, but people who think differently than you. How can you still learn to fight the same fight, going back to a team mentality, and go towards the same goals, even when we're coming from different areas and different perspectives, yet still commit to one another?
0: Yeah, you know, we whatever a person's faith tradition is, we both went to Anderson, so we were trained in the wesleyan Holiness tradition, but I have some Pentecostal roots. You've got some Catholic roots, right? We we all have diverse faith backgrounds and there's nothing worse than, well, maybe there are some things worse, but one of the terrible attitudes that is so prevalent amongst church people is this kind of, I'm the expert (laughs) and you're my Mm -hmm. pupil. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's not kingdom. Um, the Bible says that even when Jesus at 12 years old has all of this wisdom and knowledge to teach people uh, in the temple, he was also asking questions. Mm. And sometimes uh, we want to be the boy Jesus at the temple. uh, Amazing. Everybody with how much we know we've studied the Bible for 20 years, or we've walked with God for 30 years or whatever it is, you know, your perfect credit score, your kids all went to Harvard and everybody's got straight A's. That's great. But like when I'm struggling, when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm, you know, battling addiction or whatever it is, I'm not really trying to hear your highlight reel. I, I need you to be able to speak to the, the, the negativity that I'm facing, the, the horrors that I'm, I'm experiencing, um, because then I actually believe like you get it. And, mm-hmm. and when I believe that you get it, then I'll start to listen to how you're getting through it. Um, and and that's the, that's the most powerful tool that the church has is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, which means that if we are kingdom people, then we are emissaries, ambassadors, message bearers that are telling the world around us, hey, I have been where you are. I, in some cases, I am where you are Mm. and here is how i'm finding a way forward in the world through this world Um, i've discovered that what i face on a day-to-day reality isn't all that there is to this story there's there's actually glory and if you'll follow me as i follow christ i'll I'll introduce you to it i'll show it i'll share it with you for free Mm -hmm. you don't have to be someone or do something just come as you are, smelly clothes, beautiful clothes, whatever you got, that's not what's important. What's important is let's just do this together. Mm-hmm. And I think that people respect, there's a there's a leader that I follow and I'll shut up. He says, <laughs> people would rather follow someone who's always real than someone who's always right. Yeah. So uh, authenticity matters when you talk about being kingdom people.
1: Yeah, I like that. We're starting to run up on time here. I have one more question. And if you can keep this brief, you'd mentioned kingdom people like to push the boundaries. They're bold they're, And it kind of hits on a little bit of what we talked about, where we're courageous people, just to get your perspective on that. um, I also believe that uh, there are times that we could be bold and courageous in the wrong ways for the wrong things. Um, In your opinion, then, being keen to people, stepping outside the boundaries and, and pushing limits, um, what then guides us into knowing um, you know, what, what limits to push, what boundaries to cross and uh, what then you know, helps, nav- helps us navigate that to know like, when are we doing these for the right reasons? Um, is there a too far that we, we push and go? Uh, what is the regulatory kind of agent for that?
0: Yeah, uh, to to put it brief briefly, I would say good leaders know how to be led. So if you find yourselves on the front lines of something, you should also find yourselves uh, find yourself also being behind the scenes of something else, hmm. um, and so so that way you 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 have that experience of what it takes to push something forward as well as what it takes to have a vision and, and try and pull something forward. I think um, great leaders are people who are accountable. So be, live a transparent life as, as much as you can. Have people in your corner, Sam calls me all the time. We talk all the time, I'll call him and we'll just talk transparently about what we're going through. And I think um, have relationships that are diverse you got to talk to more than just the people that look like you, vote like you, spend like you. You got to talk to people from different perspectives. It keeps you humble. It keeps you honest. And it keeps your heart closer to to the original intentions of God that we would be unified.
1: Thank you for that, Tim. Appreciate it. Well, that's about all we got for today. Um, Tim, thank you so much for jumping in and taking time away from your family for us.
0: Amen. Love you,
1: bro. Love you too, man. Um, and y'all, uh, for everybody that tuned in, we appreciate you tuning in once again. Uh, if you are interested in more stuff like this podcast, make sure to check out our previous episodes of the HUD podcast. You can find that on our website, uh, cgnortheast.com, or you can find us on Spotify to search the Hub podcast at Common Ground Northeast. Uh, We also have one other podcast running, coming out of Common Ground Northeast, if you're interested. It's called Converge, where we uh, interview uh, Black faith leaders around Indianapolis. You don't want to miss that one. You can find that one on Spotify as well. Um, Man, love doing life with uh, all of our congregants here and everybody tuning in. Tim, love doing life with you. And uh, make sure to stay tuned for our next episode. We'll catch you on the next one.
0: See y'all.
1: We appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with us today. Make sure to check out the previous episodes on Hub Podcast. If you're interested in information on Common Ground Northeast, check out cgnortheast.com. We'll catch you next time.